good morning. I'm Tommy Graham, associate pastor here at Center Point. And this morning I'll be filling in for our senior pastor, John Schmidt, as he's over in our Piper Road location. Uh, this morning we're going to kick off a new series entitled Identity. And we're going to be taking a look at what does it mean? How, you know, where do we get our identity from? And what does it uh, mean to find our identity in Christ? And identity is such a huge part of us. I mean, what, what we believe about ourselves affects really everything that we do. And so uh, a lot of people get their identity from a lot of different things. Many of us get our identity by uh, what we do. A lot of people get our identity from what we control or what we have power over. A lot of us get identity based on what other people say about us. And so identity is such a huge concept in the Bible about where do we get our identity? What do we believe? And you can usually tell where someone has their identity from basically when you first meet them. Hi, I'm Tommy. I'm the associate pastor at Centerpoint. I just identified with what I do. Some of them say, hey, I'm Joe Montana. I was, used to be the quarterback of the 49ers. <laughs> you know, we identify, we tell people who we are based upon uh, what we believe about ourselves and what is most important about ourselves. Well, the truth is the most important thing about us is, about, is being a child of God. And so this morning we're going to talk about that. But we're going to have a word of prayer before we get started and then we're going to jump right in. Father, we just want to come before you this morning and thank you for the opportunity uh, to come and to take a look at what your word has to say about who we are. Father, I ask that you would uh, move me out of the way, Lord, that you would speak through me, Lord, and your Holy Spirit would do um, amazing things in this room today and that people would walk away, that we would all walk away having a better sense of who we truly are. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. When you walked in today, you were given a bulletin. Inside that bulletin is an outline of today's message. If you'll take that out, uh, there's, if you need a pen to fill in the blanks as we follow along, if you'll just raise your hand, our ushers would love to come by and get you a pen. Well, many of you have heard me tell uh, the story of my wife Shelly and I and our pre- process of adopting our daughter Lizzie. And uh, this morning, I'm going to tell that story again because there's not a better illustration in my own life of how I understand what it's like to be a child of God than this amazing journey that we've been through of making Lizzie a part of our family. So, good morning, Lizzie. Hi, Daddy. How you doing? I'm good. You're good? Can you say good morning to everybody? Good morning. <laughs> Can I say good morning back? Good morning. All right. In 2004, my wife Shelly and I had the opportunity to go to a Stephen Curtis Chapman concert. And while we were at that concert, he began to talk about international adoption and share his story of how he had adopted his daughter from China. And at that moment, on that night, the Lord birthed a desire in our hearts for Lizzie to be a part of our family. Though I had never seen a picture of Lizzie, though she was not even born yet, the desire for her to be a part of our family was birthed in our hearts. And so we began the costly and lengthy process of acquiring her, bringing her into our family through the process of adoption. Um, It cost us a lot of time, a lot of uh, effort, and all of our money. (laughs) Because it wasn't wasn't cheap. But you know what, Lizzie, bringing her into our family has been worth every bit of that process. Matter of fact, Lizzie, when you go to bed at night, you remind your mom of something that she's always told you. What do you remind your mom of? 
Can you talk a little louder? Um, that she wanted me. That she wanted you. Why do you tell her? Why do you remind her that she wanted you? Because she tells me that daily. Because she tells you that daily. Matter of fact, your mom made you a book, didn't she? Is this your adoption book? Your adoption yes. scrapbook? And inside of it, it tells her her whole story. It tells of the, of the process that we wanted her, that we longed for her, and everything that we went through, all the way up to the time that she legally became Lizzie Green, our child. And we've told her that story from the time she was very little. And so she knows that you know that you were wanted, don't you? Uh, yeah. Do you know that yeah. your mom and dad love you, don't you? Yeah. That's the right answer. <laughs> So as we begin this process, about two years into the process of adopting Lizzie, our agency sends us a picture, and this picture is where we get Lizzie's nickname from. We call Lizzie. What do we call you? Little princess. We call you little princess because she looks like a little princess in this picture. Matter of fact, her mom wrote this out beside her before she comes home. Says it's almost time for the little princess to be home, uh, to go home and to be with her forever family. And uh, she was so excited. We were so excited a few months later when Lizzie comes to her home and we see her for the very first time. And we hold her into our arms. It was a moment like that I will never forget. Um, it was an experience that was beyond belief because all of these two years of desiring and longing for this young little Korean princess to be part of my family had come true. And I was holding her in my arms about Three months after she was home, we began to realize that Lizzie uh, wasn't meeting some of her developmental milestones the way that we thought that she should. So we had her evaluated, and the doctors told us that when Lizzie was born, that uh, during the birth process, that she was deprived of oxygen uh, for a period of time, and that it caused a form of cerebral palsy. And uh, they told us at time that more than likely Lizzie uh, would, would probably never walk, and that she would probably never talk. And that was kind of devastating to us. But well, Lizzie, what do you think about that? Ha! I proved them wrong. Score! <laughs> <laughs> you rock. You just won't. And one thing I love about Lizzie is that Lizzie doesn't let, and this is not just true about this, Lizzie does not let what other people say about her determine who she actually is. Matter of fact, I asked Lizzie today, I said, Lizzie, is it okay if we talk a little bit about uh, the, the, uh, your cerebral palsy and your having a rough time walking and those things. And she said, sure, Dad, that's not who I am. That's just a part of what I live with every day. She says, she's not defined by what people have told her or even what she does. She's defined because she knows that she's loved by a family and she's loved by God. And so it's one of the things that really encourages me about her. At that time when we found that out, we began to... Um, we begin to uh, get her involved with therapists and specialists that begin to help her development. And when Lizzie, when you were three years old, we had an amazing milestone that we hit. What happened when you were three years old? Um, I took my first three steps. You took your very first three steps when you were three and a half years old. And she began the process of learning how to walk. And in, during that process, one of the things that, because of the cerebral palsy that it caused, is though she was walking, we realized that her feet were turning inward and when she would try to walk she was literally stepping on her feet and so three and a half years ago many of you know this story but three and a half years ago Lizzie had a major surgery where the doctors went in and they cut both of her femurs and they rotated them where they would be straight and it was a very difficult and painful and painful <laughs> surgery but you know what it has been so worth it because Lizzie what do you do today do you walk 
Here, school, the store, anywhere. You walk everywhere, don't you? Not Disney. Not Disney. <laughs> Is that a hint to go back to Disney? Uh, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, sometimes if we go long distances, it's a little too far. She will put her in her stroller or her, her wheelchair. But for the most part, Lizzie walks wherever she goes. And it's been such a joy to see this determined little girl walk, walk out this amazing story. And Lizzie is truly loved in our family. She knows that she's loved. Matter of fact, she has, uh, you, you got some brothers? Mm-hmm. Who are they? Ethan and Daniel. Yeah, one's older, one's younger, right? And the oldest one is the annoying. In <laughs> <laughs> Can we cut that from the, from the video? <laughs> but the truth is, Lizzie, is there any difference? Do we treat you any different than we do? You're, both of our brothers are homegrown. They're, they weren't adopted. Uh, but are you, is there any difference between you and your, and your brothers? No, no, except for two things. Two things. Where are the two things that are different? Um, my eyes are different and I'm very, very, very much shorter. <laughs> Her <laughs> eyes are different. <laughs> She's a little shorter. And, uh, but besides that, there's really no difference, is there? No. No. Uh, matter of fact, there are times we have two overarching themes or principles that we live by in our house, in the greenhouse, uh, that we really hold very high. And that is truth and respect. And if my children um, break one of those two rules or one of those two principles, um, I tell them that they have to clean up their mess. And what I mean by that they have to clean up their mess is... What, what do I mean that when I say it's kind of your mess? You have to apologize and tell them that you're sorry for whatever you did. Yeah, you have to apologize. You have to say, do you like apologizing to your brothers when you've been disrespectful to them? That's a zero. That's a zero. <laughs> you don't like that at all, do you? No, not, not my best thing. <laughs> yeah, not your best thing. Because you actually like pestering your brothers, don't you? Hooray! <laughs> but you get in trouble. You get corrected. And there, But there are times that your brothers have pestered you or they've been disrespectful to you and they've had to apologize to you you like that yeah yeah that part you like that's right um but we do we we correct her when she's wrong she's not perfect she's a princess but we've actually changed her name from princess to what training a what in training you're princess in training i'm not really one i don't like being one but we're working Um, on it yeah it's not going very well (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, you are a princess. But um, uh, one of the things that Lizzie knows is that Lizzie um, can come to her mom and dad about anything. Uh, I've always told my children, uh, especially my oldest, would always ask me. He'd always ask me this question, Daddy, can I ask you something? And my response to him and my other children has always been, Son, you can ask me about anything. You can come to me anytime that you're in trouble. Anytime that you have a question, and I am there for you. And Lizzie, there's times that either you have trouble with homework, or maybe you fall when you're walking and you'll call out for help. Is that true? Yes, but I mostly catch myself. But you usually catch yourself. I agree with that. But the truth is, the other day, you, you were scared in the middle of the night, and you called out for help. What happened? Um, I woke up, and I thought my neck was stuck. And that I couldn't move it to the other side anymore. And that I could only see this right side and this I couldn't. So I started yelling and screaming. And, oh yeah, and mom and dad came in. And I heard dad coming in first. And I heard dad 
big feet come in and <laughs> slam the door and say what's wrong. And I told him what it is. Yeah. Lizzie had, a, had gotten her very first crick in her, crick in her neck when she was sleeping. And she couldn't move her neck, and she thought that she was going to be that way for the rest of her life. And she got really, really scared, and so she began to call out for mom and dad to come in. And you know what? I came running, and I busted through the door. And I was probably pretty loud because I was scared. I didn't know what was going on. And uh, Lizzie, Lizzie knows that she's loved. She knows that we're always there for her. And Lizzie, I am so glad that you're my daughter, and I'm so glad that you're a part of my family. Have a kiss? Kiss? Can y'all give her a round of applause? Yay! Yay. <laughs> like I said, one of the reasons why I wanted Lizzie to come and help me share her story is because it has taught me more about being God's child than any other thing in my life. And uh, point A on your outline states this. I am a child of God because... Here's the reasons why I am a child of God. Number one, God chose me. God chose me. Just as I chose Lizzie to be my daughter, God has chosen me to be his son. Listen to what Ephesians 1, 4 through 5 says. It says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. When you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. God's desire has always been to bring me into his family. Before I was ever born, Before he ever saw me, I was born in his heart. Just like Lizzie was born in my heart that night when I was listening to Stephen Curtis Chapman talk about international adoption, I was born in God's heart before the very foundations of the world. And he wanted me. And he wanted you. And one of the things that we've done for Lizzie is we've written down her story in this book. And we read this story to her all the time because I want her to understand that she was wanted, that she was loved. Can I tell you, God has given me a book to read that reminds me every day that God wanted me, that God desired me, that I was part of his plan. See, God loves me. And I'm a child of God because he wanted me. Second reason I'm a child of God because it's because Jesus redeemed me. He redeemed me, which meant he bought my freedom. Galatians 4, 4 through 7 says, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent his spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba Father, which means Papa or Daddy. It's a very intimate term. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. heir. 
it cost a very high price for Lizzie to be part of our family. And for me to be part of God's family, it cost God a very high price. He bought me with the blood of his very own son. And the best way I can describe this, would we make, my, our family was talking about this a couple of nights ago, it would have been as if I had asked my oldest son, Samuel, Samuel, your mom and I really want to have more children, and we want to adopt this little girl in Korea. Do you want to bring her into her family? And Samuel's like, yes, Daddy, I want to bring her into our family. Okay, the only way we can bring her into our family, Samuel, is if you will go over to Korea, and that you will live in Korea, and you will be misunderstood, and you will be rejected, and you will be spit on, and you will be despised, and they will kill you and crucify you. And once you do that, we'll be able to bring her back home. Are you willing to do that? Sounds crazy, doesn't it? And Samuel goes, well, hey, I want Lizzie, but I'm not sure if I want to go that much. Jesus said yes. Jesus said yes. And he bought our freedom with his very own blood. That's why I'm a child of God. Because I'm a child of God, another reason I'm a child of God, point three is this. I believed and I received God's gracious gift. I believed and I received God's gracious gift. John 1.12 says this, To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right, the privilege, to become the children of God. Can I share this with you? Lizzie Green did nothing to become Lizzie Green. She didn't, she wasn't good enough to become part of my family. She didn't earn her way. She absolutely did nothing. The only reason that she's a child of mine is because I wanted her and I was willing to pay the price. All she has to do to be part of my family is to believe the fact that I loved her enough to pay that price and to receive my love. That's what qualifies her to be Lizzie Green. Do you know what qualifies me to be a child of God? Is the fact that I believe that God loved me enough to send his son to die for my freedom. And that I accept that, that I believe that. And if I don't accept that and I do not believe that, I am not a child of God. It's the only responsibility that I have is to receive it and to believe it. To receive his love. And that's why I'm a child of God. Because he wanted me, because he paid for me, and because I believe and received it. That's simple. Point B on your outline says, you know, because I'm a child of God, these are the things that Happen because now that I've received and I've accepted him and I'm part of God's family, because of that, because I'm God's child, okay, number one, I can confidently come to God about anything. Can confidently come to God about anything. Romans 8, 15 through 16 says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba. Father, for his spirit joins with our spirits to affirm that we are God's children. Um, I can confidently come to God 
anytime, anywhere about anything. The same way Lizzie can come to me and she can scream out in the middle of the night and I will come running to her. I can scream out in the middle of the night when I'm scared and I'm fearful and I'm afraid and I don't know what to do. I can call out to God and God is there. I can confidently come to him about anything. Do you know why? Because he's a good God. He's a caring God. He loves me with an unbelievable love. And he loves taking care of his children. When Lizzie had gone through that really painful surgery uh, where they derotated her, her, her legs and they pinned them and they put them all back together, the first two days of recovery were probably the most painful period of my entire life. Um, Lizzie felt as, because of the medication and the pain that she was in, she felt as if she was falling. She felt as if there were monsters in the room. And she would scream and she would cry. And the only thing that would comfort Lizzie is I would hold out my pinky or her mom would hold out her hand, her finger, and Lizzie would hold that hand. And as long as we held her hand, though she was in pain, she was comforted. But even when we would go to switch from, from my finger to Lizzie's finger, she would freak out and begin to freak. I mean, she would just literally begin to cry. And for 18 hours straight, we held that little girl's hand. And it was not a burden. I would do it, gladly do it again. You know why? Because I love her. I don't like seeing her scared. I don't like seeing her in pain. Can I tell you that's the way God feels about me? When I'm going through difficult circumstances, he desires for me to take all of my cares and bring them to him because he cares for me. That's a benefit I have of being one of his children. Here's another thing that happens because I'm God's child. Is a point two, I can expect God to discipline me. I can expect it. Okay? Listen to what Hebrews 12, 5 through 11 says. My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all his children, it means that you are illegitimate and that you are not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of our, the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoy, enjoyable while it is happening. No, it's painful. But afterwards, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Uh, Lizzie does not like it when I correct her. She does not like it when she has to write an apology letter to her brothers. Or she has to tell them that I am sorry or she gets a time out, or she gets some other form of discipline. She does not like that. Why do I discipline my children? I discipline them because I see the very best. I see the potential in my children. And when they get off course and they begin to go the wrong way, most of the times I'm trying to direct them and get them back, back on course. I discipline them. I'm not punishing them. I'm not mean or mad or, or trying to get back or even at them. No, I want the best for their life. And because I want the best for their life, I'm willing to correct, correct the behavior. 
And one of the things that I have to correct most in my children are the way they treat each other. The way they talk to each other, the way they fight with one another. That's the thing most of the time that they get in trouble or the way that they talk to me. And I found that to be true in my own life. That most of the things that the Lord corrects me about is the way that I treat my brothers and sisters. When I'm not kind to someone. When I'm not forgiving towards someone. When I'm prideful and boastful and I treat someone very rude. Most of the time I feel the Holy Spirit inside me says, you need to go correct that. You need to go make that right. Do you know why the Father does that? Because I'm not acting like one of His children. See, God is kind. He's patient. He's loving. And as a child of God, He wants me to follow in His footsteps. And so He'll discipline me to get me back on course. Here's the third thing uh, that happens because I'm a child of God. Because I'm a child of God, I have a glorious inheritance awaiting for me in heaven. A glory inheritance awaiting for me in heaven. Now, my children um, will receive an inheritance when I die and when their mother dies. We will leave them an inheritance. Lizzie, I'm so sorry. It's not going to be very much. Okay? You might get my truck. That might be about it. Okay? But the truth is they will get whatever I have belongs to them. It's their inheritance. Well, as a child of God, I have an inheritance waiting for me. Uh, Listen to what uh, Romans 8, 17 says. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 5 says, Now we live with great expectation, and we have have a priceless inheritance. See, my inheritance from God is a lot better than Lizzie's inheritance from me. Because it's... The inheritance I'm going to get from God is priceless. An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power, power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. Now, I want to stand here right now. I want to say this. I'm not 100% what my inheritance in heaven, what all of that is. I do know a few things that the Word of God says about it. I do know it says this. In heaven, I'll be free from death and decay. That's a good thing. There'll be no more tears to cry because death will be gone. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more pain. Another thing I know in heaven, I'll be free from sin and suffering. Okay? How many of you can say right now in this world that you're free from sin? The temptations of sin. Or you're free from suffering. We can't say that, but one day... I will no longer struggle with the things I struggle with. I will no longer suffer. That's a pretty cool inheritance. Okay, I also know in heaven that I'll have a new and amazing body. And I know that it's going to be new and I know that it's going to be absolutely amazing because this one's pretty good. That's a little bit of pun there, just joking. Okay, So I will have a new and amazing body. And in heaven, I will have a room in God's house. Now, I don't know exactly what heaven looks like. I don't know what God's house looks like. But I know that God has reserved a room for me in his house. That's part of my inheritance of being a child of God. And here's a note for us this morning. Our inheritance is too good to imagine. It's too good to imagine. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, But it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have there entered into the hearts of man 
the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Now, I've got a pretty active imagination. And I can imagine pretty amazing things about what heaven is going to be like. But God's word says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has even entered into the heart of man how great that is going to be. Can I say that again? Okay, Because I don't think we're getting this. I can't even imagine how good my inheritance in heaven is going to be because I belong to God and God loves me. Here's another note. The Holy Spirit is given to us as a guarantee. Ephesians 1.14 says, The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance that He's promised and that He has purchased us to be His own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify Him. The Holy Spirit is a, like a taste, like a, a foretaste of what heaven is going to be like. Because the Holy Spirit in my life, when I'm going through difficult times, there are times where I experience a peace that passes all understanding. Have any of you ever experienced that peace before? Where the Holy Spirit is being? Well, that's a foretaste. It's a, it's a taste of what heaven is going to be like. Or you've experienced joy that's beyond belief. Or you experience comfort in time of grief or wisdom. Those are things that we've experienced because the Holy Spirit, part of heaven, lives within me. And it's a foretaste. It's a shadow of things to come. And that's an amazing thing. It's always reminding me that things are going to get better when I get there. Now, point C on your outline states this. Here's a warning for us. The warning is there is an identity thief. Because... God understands and knows that the way you think about yourself and where you get identity affects every aspect of your life. I want you to know that the devil, the enemy, understands that as well. And he doesn't like us to have a right perspective of who we are. Matter of fact, this is what John 10.10 says. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And I want to suggest today that one of his purposes is to steal our identity. So that we don't live out of the place of sonship, but out of a place of servantship, servanthood. That we're, we think that we're slaves and we're servants instead of being child and children of God. And here's an identity that he gives us. It's our false identity that he speaks to us over and over. And we believe this about ourselves. I work for God. I have to earn my relationship with God. And he is disappointed with my performance. I have work for God. I'm his servant. I'm his slave. He is a drill master, a, a slave master who is always driving me and I can never please him. I have to earn my relationship with him and I'm not doing a very good job. And the enemy whispers that to me. And I believe the enemy whispers that to you many days out of the week. Here's what it says about the enemy. John 8, 44 says he, talking about Satan, is a liar and the father of lies. Here's the truth. I do not have to earn God's acceptance. I do not have to earn the right to be his son. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Lizzie could never do enough good things to earn her way to be my daughter. 
She's my daughter, not based on any of her performance, on anything she did. She's my daughter because I loved her and I wanted her to be part of my family. I cannot earn my acceptance towards God, so I need to stop trying and accept the fact that He loves me just the way that I am. And He wants me just the way that I am. And that I'm loved just the way that I am. I belong to Him because He wants me to belong to Him. And here's our true identity. I am a child of God. I am loved by God. And nothing can separate me from His love. Can we say that statement together this morning? I am a child of God. I am loved by God. And nothing can separate me from His love. Can we say that one more time? I am a child of God. I am loved by God. And nothing can separate me from His love. Romans 8.35-37 Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long and we are considered as sheep... Uh, to the uh, consider sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Nothing can separate us from God's love. And many times when we go through difficult circumstances, what we say to ourselves is, I must have done something wrong. And God must be punishing me. God must be getting even with me. And He must not love me anymore. And can I tell you, that's the enemy whispering in your ear. It's the enemy telling you, you know what? You're not good enough to be God's child. You don't deserve to be, have all the benefits of being able to be with him and to go to him with all of your problems. God's word says that God is a very present help in time of trouble. We're going to go through trouble because we live in a fallen world. But the good news is that we don't have to go through it alone. We have a father who wants to go with it uh, through us. You know, a reason why I want to share this this morning is because I want to challenge you to do one thing. I want you to challenge you to stop getting your identity by what you do. I want you to stop getting your identity by what you control or what you have power over. I want you to stop getting your identity by what other people say about you. Can you write that down? What, what is it, what is it that you, the enemy lies to you? Where do you get your identity from? I'm asking that question to us this morning. Where do we get our identity from? Where do we get our identity from? Is it by what we do? Is it our jobs? Is it our performance? Is it what we control? Is it because we're the CEO of a company or I own this or I am a, a manager here or what do we have power over? Or do we get our identity based on what someone tells us about us? You're ugly. You're never going to amount to anything. Lizzie, you'll never walk. You'll never talk. Are you willing to say, no, that's not who I am? I'm a child of God. Because if you don't realize where you get your identity, then you can't combat the enemy with the truth. So this morning, I want to challenge you. Stop getting your identity from what you do, from what you have power over, and for what other people say about you. And get your identity based on who God says you are, 
that you're a beloved son, you're a beloved daughter in his kingdom. Because where we get our identity affects every aspect of our life. It affects our relationships with others. It affects our relationship with God. It affects the way we react and we respond to circumstances. When I don't have enough finances to pay the bills, is it because I get all anxious? Or do I respond to that situation based on that I'm a child of God and God has everything I need. To, he'll provide all of my needs according to His riches and glory. See, where we get our identity changes everything about who we are. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I just want to come before you this morning. And I just want to thank you for... Oh, Lord, reminding us today who we are. Lord, we're sons and daughters of the Most High God. We're princesses and princes of God's kingdom. That's who we are. And we didn't do anything to deserve it. We didn't do anything to earn it. Lord, we're that way because, Lord, we've accepted the fact, Lord, that that's who you say we are. And this morning, I just want to challenge you, just even right where you're at, I want to challenge you. Have you accepted that? Have you accepted the fact that Jesus paid the price for you? Because the only way to enter into God's family is to accept the sacrifice that he paid for you to become a daughter, to become a son. So if you're in the sound of my voice this morning, if you've never made that decision to accept that, today is the day. Today is the day to say, yes, I want to be part of God's family. Not because I I keep trying to make myself good enough or I try to earn his his acceptance, but because I'm going to accept the fact of what he's done for me. Or are you at that place where you're part of God's family, but you just feel like you're the the illegitimate child, the one that just needs to, that you're never good enough, that you've always got to keep trying harder, that God is always displeased with you, that you're part of the family, but you're kind of the, you're, you're kind of the Cinderella, you're the servant girl who, who, who can never really be accepted into the family. Admit to God that that's the way you feel and and tell God you're sorry that you haven't believed the truth about who you are. This morning, God, we just say that we're yours. And Lord, we say that we love you and we thank you so much for wanting us, for desiring us. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.